Isaiah has a vision of the high and lifted up king who stoops lower than low. A humble king who becomes the servant of God. On The Bible Brief. Did you know that The Bible Brief is a listener-supported show? Consider becoming a monthly supporter at our link in the show notes. Selections from the Gospel of John From Chapter 1 The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from Chapter 12 Isaiah said these things because he saw His glory and spoke of Him. Jesus was seen in the New Testament time period, and also in the time period of Isaiah at around 700 BC. But the seeing of Jesus was different. The disciples saw Jesus in his human life on earth as he expressed his deity with amazing signs and miracles. The prophet Isaiah saw Jesus in a vision of a heavenly temple, with Jesus at the center on his heavenly throne. Isaiah saw a picture of the rule of Jesus over everything before his incarnation as a human in the first century. Isaiah saw an exalted Jesus in heaven before Jesus humbled himself in the form of a man. We may be familiar with Jesus in the New Testament, but what about Jesus as seen by Isaiah? Let's start reading in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the master sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim angels, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one seraphim called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. The prophet has a magnificent vision of God seated upon his throne in his robe, high and lifted up in the middle of the heavenly temple surrounded by worshiping angels. It's a striking scene, but some of the details enhance the picture. The throne that Isaiah sees indicates that this figure he sees is a king, and the robe is likely indicative that this one on the throne is also a priest. A priest king is seated on a heavenly throne, being worshipped as God himself in this awe-inspiring scene. But then we get to see the prophet's first-person reaction to this scene. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. The prophet Isaiah immediately sees something as he looks upon the king over everything. He sees his sin. He sees that in the presence of utter holiness and righteousness, that he has no place. 
He's simply undone by the contrast between his own sin and this king's righteous glory. But within the scene, we see that one of these angelic beings, a seraphim, flies over to Isaiah and touches his mouth with a burning coal, and then says this, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. In the presence of this priest king, Isaiah's sin is said to be covered over, atoned for, while his guilt is taken away. Something about being in the king's presence, something about this burning coal, has allowed for Isaiah's sin to be covered. The priest king has offered something that Isaiah didn't have before. Isaiah has seen the Lord of glory, the priest king, high and lifted up on his throne. Now, it would be easy for us to think very little about who's occupying the throne in Isaiah's vision. It's easy to see that it's God himself, whom the angels are worshiping as holy, holy, holy. Yet we must let the question linger in our minds. Who is this on the throne? He's God, but why is he wearing priestly attire? Why is God, whom the Bible knows as a spiritual being, why is he in a body, in a robe? Who is this on the throne? Well, perhaps our best clue is in Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. Chapters that introduce this priest king as something else too. The servant of God. Listen to this. As God, through Isaiah, introduces this servant in the same way that this priest king was introduced in Isaiah chapter 6, calling him high and lifted up. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. At this point in the passage, Isaiah might as well cry out, Woe is this man! Woe is he, a man rejected, sorrowful, grief-stricken, and despised, a man serving God, yet smitten by God and afflicted. But there's more. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and Yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. 
yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. If there's a single passage in the whole Bible that illustrates the sacrifice of this priest king, this is the passage. This servant of Yahweh is utterly rejected, stricken with grief and sorrow, before he is led to death like a lamb to the slaughter. The servant dies a death worthy of an awful sinner, yet he doesn't deserve this punishment. Instead, he's doing the job of the priest. But instead of offering a bull or a ram like those priests in the Jerusalem temple, instead he's offering himself. Instead of the blood of animals temporarily covering over the sins of the people, he's offering his own blood to cover, to atone for the sins of the people forever. The priest is also the sacrifice. The king is killed like the worst criminal. This one, high and lifted up, has gone from his throne in heaven to a grave with the wicked. And more than that, this is all done at the pleasure of God. God crushes this priest. God smites this king. God lays iniquity upon this innocent man. The harshness of sin's penalty is placed upon the same one whom the angels worshipped as holy, holy, holy. Somehow this God-man has taken the penalty that we all deserve. And it pleased God because God did it for a reason. God did it for Isaiah. God did it for me. And God did it for you. He crushed his servant as an offering for our guilt, as an atonement for our sin. He was punished for our healing. But after that, notice what happens. It says, When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. God doesn't abandon this sacrificial priest king to death. No, he makes the dead alive again. The risen one sees his offspring, those from Adam to eternity who are identified with him. He shall prolong his days as the king over heaven and earth, and the will of Yahweh will prosper in the hand of this righteous man. Isaiah 6 and Isaiah 53 form a pair that we can't miss. It's a message of utter contrast. The high and lifted goes to the grave of the dead. The one worshipped by angels is rejected by men. The one who rules over all subjects himself to the worst of punishments. But this contrast serves to illustrate something amazing. God provides a way for the healing of the sinner. He takes on the woes of the sinner so that the sinner can take on the righteousness of God. This sacrificial priest king that Isaiah saw was none other than Jesus himself. 
the king over everything, the priest after the order of Melchizedek, the servant of Yahweh to heal the people from their sin. The humble man that the disciples saw many years later was none other than this sacrificial priest king come to earth to do the bidding of his father. Isaiah saw his glory in the heavenly temple. The disciples saw his glory as he walked in the land of Canaan among his people. The beginning of the Bible is about God creating, providing for, and blessing the world before humans marred it with sin, rebellion, and death. The culmination of the Bible will be when that same God enters humanity to defeat the very death that we all deserve, to make atonement for our sins, to take the punishment for our rebellion. What an amazing God. What a humble King. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023